Make sure to watch The Ringer's new live reaction show, Talk the Thrones. Each week, Andy Greenwald, mother of dragons Mallory Rubin, Chris Ryan, and our very own maester, Jason Concepcion, are coming to you live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk the Thrones will stream exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode ends and can be found on The Ringer's Twitter handle, at Ringer. They'll be reacting at the same time as you, contextualizing the events and explaining everything that just unfolded. Again, the show is called Talk the Thrones, and you can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7 out on our Twitter and Periscope, at Ringer. Bachelorette party. I'm Juliette Littman. I promised that I wasn't going to talk about the mental health and that I would do it on Tuesday. It's Wednesday, and I want to talk about the mental health because it was appalling. It was an, it was an abomination, and therefore had to bring back my good friend Wesley Morris of the New York Times. Hello, Wesley. Hi, Juliet. How are you, buddy? Listen, I'm okay. I mean, you know, the world is falling apart. It's true. And some of the ways in which the world is falling apart meet up with The Bachelorette. So, <laughs> really convenient. Um, let's start. The world falling apart is kind of um, hard to tackle. So, let's just start with The Bachelorette. Is that cool? <laughs> we'll probably wind up there anyway. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, this was the Mentel All. You've never seen a, a, a Mentel All special, right? This is your first time? No, but... But you know, I think one of the one of the few ingenious things about this production is that for people like me, they will tell you how these things have previously gone. Well, okay. And thanks for bringing that up because that's actually new. They don't usually do that. There's not usually huh. like a highlight reel of like previous things that happened on Men Tell All, which leads me to believe that um, it was. I know what you're going to say. There I was. Know what you're say. There was not a lot to work with, and it was really boring. <laughs> Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. What were you expecting? I would I don't know. I was going to say something like this must mean that they know that they have an audience that has not watched. The numbers must oh, be different. I don't know if the numbers are better or worse, but they're prob- they must be different. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Huh. Like maybe there's a black audience that just isn't watching The Bachelorette and they just don't know what they'd be in for. Sure. But I also like your I also like your problem solving solution. Yeah, it was like a time f- time filler cuz it took up a lot of time. That was like a, a lot of filler. Yeah. That was like 5 to 7 minutes of like previously on the Mantel All special, which like honestly is never that exciting. It's just kind of kind of weird like that's why i didn't think we would cover it i thought i would like do some random pod this week because it's usually so boring to me like there's like because why would they um save like something that's really juicy for that special you know i feel like they'd find a way to like work it in otherwise but uh you know here here we are um i let's talk about rachel's appearance at the end first First of all, where are you? Like, do you like Rachel still? Like, this is yours is your first season of the show, so um, you've never seen yes. it before. Well, before I answer that question, mm-hmm. I would say that I watching the other Bachelorettes. Like, I have only heard you and David Jacoby talk about JoJo, for instance. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, she was hot. And uh, who were some of the like? Was there was there ever a person? Who were some other bachelorettes featured in that in that in that 
previously on other seasons of Men Tell All. There was Ali Fedotowski. Um, there was um, Ashley Hebert. There was uh, Caitlin Bristow. Who else did Okay, so Caitlin. Caitlin and JoJo were the two that really struck me as being interesting women. Yes. Um, and I don't know why in the little bit that we got of them, but they just had something that made that was appealing to me. The thing about Caitlin, what they showed was like all these really mean tweets about her, like calling her a whore. And that was so <laughs> yeah, bizarre. Sure. And I guess you probably don't know this, but like Caitlyn's season, she had sex way before the fantasy suite, like in week four oh. or five. Oh, yes. I mean, I heard I've heard tell. Yes. So that was like a big deal. And I guess that's like they use they use the men tell all to kind of like address the audience, basically, to sort of like address the storylines that have evolved that maybe they couldn't control. So. Mm. Let's get back to your comments on Rachel, and then we'll kind of follow up with that, because that explains a lot of how this week's episode went down. Um, I like her. I didn't, she didn't seem nervous at all to me. Not at all. She seemed very aware of all the dynamics. She seemed very aware of how she made individual men feel. Mm-hmm. I think, and I don't know if this was prep or this is just her in, intuition, but Either way, she handled she handled it all really well. Um, I I don't know. I I've been not I haven't been looking for a reason not to like her, but I've been <laughs> looking for a reason to find her participation in this show suspicious. Um, I don't. Did you find any? That's I a don't good know question. why anyone. Yeah, well, you and I have discussed this before. Like, I don't know why anybody would do this. Although I was watching it last night, thinking. I had a lot of thoughts about last night, but one of the thoughts was I would if if they were a gay bachelor. Yes, I would love that. And and I, you know, somebody like you goaded me into like trying out for it. Would I do it? And first of all, I wouldn't make the cut because I'm too short. Mm. Um, mm, I don't know, but I I definitely am too short for that show. They they only these shows are all about tall, tall, tall. Would they give you, um, what if they like, they were like, we love you so much, we'll put lifts in your shoes, like Ryan Atwood <laughs> on the OC. No, I don't want to live that life. I don't want to live that life. I want to be me. I'm short. I respect that. Let me that. be short. I um, so I don't know. I just really, I, I find the, the prolonged exposure to her <laughs> that's really a funny way of putting disarming. Because she's boring? Like, I think that's kind of the conclusion, which is, which is unfair because it sounds mean, but it's true. She's just like... She's just normal. Like, she's not weird. She's not slutty. She's not prude. She's just normal. She's just like a 31-year-old lawyer from Dallas who wants to be married. Like, and that's just like, right. that's just like as basic as it gets. I mean, I don't know. Yes. Who who does that not? There's, there, that applies to like so many women. <laughs> so. But can you imagine what would have happened? I mean, the poly- like politically, I mean, like for okay, so for entertainment purposes, you are correct. There is nothing remotely. Um, I mean, she is charismatic. Yes, she does seem smart and kind. Yes. and 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 poised, right? Like she does not. It's hard to mess her up. Even the blooper reel was just like, "That's all you got." She is poised. She that's a, a couple times. That's an important. That's like an important note about her is that she's kind of like unflappable like what like what could you throw at her that she couldn't handle and one thing that was really interesting was from the earlier part of the season when you see her talking to the producer when we talked when she was like cut herself off from talking about race she clearly had prepared Mm -hmm. herself to talk about being the first black bachelorette because she was like i thought it was very charming and she was like i'm black what like yeah like joking about how 
people that was like a thing or whatever. Um, so she obviously kind of like I feel like she coaches herself in yeah. a good way, which I, I think is cool. Yeah. It's like a, like a very like pre, like a very sort of like self possessed person does that, which I I appreciate. But to your point, to the other side of your point about her being extraordinarily normal. I think that that is the only way a black bachelorette can function at mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. Because if she were like, I mean, imagine if like, if they got some, one of the women from like, I love New York or like, um, flavor of love or whatever. Right. And <laughs> that was your bachelorette. Tequila, and like Tila tequila or something. Oh, she was right. Black. Or something like, Amer- like black America would go crazy. Yeah. Because, of course. I mean, but I just, I, I think that, the degree to which she was normal was <laughs> disturbingly necessary. Right. Um, I think That's we had point. to see a perfectly functional, completely sentient, like, like hyper intelligent. I mean, the, that breakdown that we talked about a couple months ago was really about her acclimating to the conditions of having to be on this show as, as a black woman. And I think by the end of it, I think she had turned, she's like, now she's a politician, right? right? Um, And her being a politician doesn't make her any less uh, human, but it does seem to make her fully aware of the surroundings, uh, fully aware of her surroundings. Right, right. She, the the politician is a good note, because I feel like that's how kind of, all of the bachelors who start out exciting, you're like, yeah, I really like them, or bachelorettes as well. And you're like, re- you're like jazzed about them being on TV for ten weeks and like following their mm. quote unquote journey. Then they all end up being political because the reason like they were good in the first place is because they were polished, and then they become even mm-hmm. more polished. And you're just like, oh well, now you're inauthentic. But it's not inauthentic. It's just sort of like that's the evolution of someone who is aware of what's going on on camera, like. They're not real housewives, you know? They're not, like, looking to get asked back for the next season. They're just trying to come off good. They're trying to, like, do right by themselves and and the show. And and because you don't have to worry about coming back, there's sort of, like, no incentive for having a meltdown or, like, being crazy. That's Because that's, right. that's how the housewives work. We're, like, I don't know if you watch Real Housewives of New York. So, I do. Oh, my God. It's one of my not favorite shows. Them, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, are you yeah. current? Have you watched this season? No, I'm not current. I'm okay. not current. I've, I've dipped in and out. So you're probably familiar with Ramona Singer. She's been on since the beginning. Ramona has lost her mind and, like, picked all these fights with Bethany and, like, made herself look physically strange. Like, she showed up after, like, some facial gone wrong and everyone was like, what happened to Ramona's face? It's really weird. Mm. But in the course of the show, Ramona's daughter has, like, gone from 13 to 22. She's gotten divorced. And now she's like out out in the world and she's nuts now. And I actually don't know if she's any crazier than she used to be, but she knows there's incentive for her to like pick fights with Bethany because Bethany's like the lead of the show. So that ensures that she'll be on. Um and anyway, it's it's made for riveting television, although I I neither of them are my favorites anymore. I don't personally like fighting, but um it's just uh, I don't either. It's just interesting that like when you don't have that incentive, I feel like the smart people move to become more vanilla opposed to becoming wackier basically basically yeah i just find that i mean if you don't like fighting i don't like watching 50 year old women like sit in a pool balanced on floaties (laughs) having heart to hearts with sunglasses on their head that they don't need i just find that a genre of human interaction that is not to my taste um Um, do you like reality TV, like, in general? Would you, do you, like, ever just put Bravo on in the background? Because you're like, yeah, why not? 
You know how you feel about sitcoms? Yeah. How you don't like them? Because yes. I, I'm still not sure what your aversion to sitcoms is, actually. is it, It's like, it's too little TV. Is that correct? Yeah, it's too little TV. And, like, I just really respond to drama. I just do. I, I, <laughs> not necessarily fighting, but I really like emotional drama. I've rewatched all of Meredith Grey's great monologues from Grey's Anatomy, like, several times. I love <laughs> ER. Like, that's the kind of thing I respond to is, like, the, like sort of outpouring of emotion in a really explicit way. So I would say that my aversion to certain aspects of reality television is that even though it's extremely fake, it also might be too real for me uh-huh. in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, because if you're not watching a if you're watching a contrived scenario, you are also watching states of mind that I don't enjoy watching. Like I am familiar with mentally ill people. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with people who drink too much. I, I, the combination of the two, and this is this is something that that I think recurs on at least the Real Housewives, and was disturbing for me for a lot of the first half of the Bachelorette. Um, the combination of alcohol and and mental health issues just it sends me over the edge, and I just cannot. I cannot handle that. That's fair. So that's like interesting for The Bachelor because that's like so much of what's going on here. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I don't know if anyone on the show has like mental health issues, but it's come up with a yes. lot. <laughs> yes. 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 We can talk about who in a second, but absolutely yes. I'm not. A, by the way, everybody should know this. I am not a mental health professional. Nor am I. I'm mental health professional adjacent. That's it. <laughs> Does that mean you have a therapist? <laughs> that means, I, yes, I have a therapist. I am friends with mental health professionals. For 45 um, minutes a week, I'm physically mental health professional adjacent. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, my mom wishes that were true for me. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know who, I, I can't wait to find out who you think could potentially be a mental health adjacent. But um, It's pretty obvious. So you think it's Lee? Yeah. <sighs> Let's just talk about Lee. Oh my goodness. He is well, Wait, before we talk about Lee, okay. can we talk about like the well, maybe no, let's just start talking about Lee because I actually have a real sort of major moral problem with the with the with the with this men tell all. Oh, great. Let's hear it. Idea. Um well, my first question for you is what is the obligation on behalf of these men to participate in this event? Because a lot of them weren't there, obviously. So what does it mean? What does it say about the men who were? That they're trying to make money. Um, okay. There's like a short window in which you can sell stuff on it, sell, sell stuff on Instagram or get cast in some other reality show or make an appearance at a bar for $5,000 for one hour. And they're trying to cash in on it. I mean, also like... The ones who kind of, like, made waves on the show to even get airtime, like, obviously were invested in that already because that's, like, one mm-hmm. of the reasons why they were doing that. So my second question – so, I mean, that explains why – that explains some of the sort of rowdier behavior, right? Like, some of these guys had been, like um, – had been reffed into or coached into – a, a frenzy by the time they'd gotten yeah. out there. They were They were amped and ready to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, such people include Iggy. <laughs> <laughs> Iggy was Iggy definitely feels wronged. Like Iggy's probably pissed that he didn't get more screen time. He's probably mad he didn't fight with Lee more. I'm sure he like watched back every episode and like was taking notes about how he fucked up. I think he goes to paradise though. So 
we'll be getting more of him. Does that mean we're going to see him with no clothes on? Um, oh, I forgot that you're into him. Yeah, I mean, with very, <laughs> very little clothes on, yes. Yeah, okay, that's great. So you're uh, in. You'll, I, you'll be watching I might watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other people who are thirsty, who were thirsty last night, um, surprisingly, I, I, I hate to say this, but I think Dean was kind of thirsty. Definitely. I was wondering, I was wondering if Dean is trying, if, if they're grooming him to potentially be the bachelor, if he's like still, oh, as he's an, as definitely going to be the bachelor. You yeah. think so? There's no way. I mean, obviously it's typically one of the first three people, right? Yeah. It's usually someone from the top three or the last three people. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think they're going to like. They're just going to give it to Dean. Did you hear how people were screaming for him? I know. People really Whenever liked him. Whenever he did him. anything? I know. People... Even the other dudes were like, we we bow down before you, Dean. I, I don't get it. I don't know. He's just like, he seems very vacant to me. And also, I, you know, I, I would never get over the once you go, I want to go black and never go back. Like, that's just unbelievable. And I don't know. I'm so I, glad I, you reminded me. And I'm so glad the show reminded me last night. That I know. That was the same person. I don't get the appeal of Dean. Like, I'm all about, like, a, a a dumb hot guy on reality television. And I don't know if he's that dumb. I don't mean to, like, say that. But, like, he just doesn't seem like he's going home and, like, reading Proust or, like, working on his art. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, Juliet. <laughs> Yes. Do we need to have a conversation about, like, well, who among these men well, do you no, think no, is going home and reading? None of them but, are. None of them are. But, like, at least the, <laughs> at least some of them go home and read. I have no proof that anyone on this season of the show is literate. Oh, see, I think Dean is smart, and I do think he is, is informed, and he possibly is a reader. I think that his problem is... That he, the problem, these shows never reward people who get caught thinking on camera. Right. And they never reward, they don't reward people who seem, who don't seem utterly spontaneous. Right. And so I don't think Dean is a spontaneous person. I actually think he's thoughtful. Yeah. And I don't think that always comes out in, in paragraph long statements. I don't think that necessarily is revealed in, in, you know, like, like concise self-explication. Um, I, I, I do think that he's smarter than the show allowed him to see. Yeah. I mean, the most likable um, he was, was when he was like, so um, wrecked with emotion when he went home that he couldn't like be playing a character. And so I really liked him then actually. So I guess right. maybe, maybe that bodes well for what he's like in real life, but for everyone in the crowd who doesn't really know him, is it just because he's really cute? And I, I don't even think he's that cute. He's not my style. He, Every, like, I mean, here's the thing about this show. Here's the thing about these shows in general. And here is why it took so long to get a black woman to be a bachelorette. Okay, tell me. America has a football fetish. Mm. I I mean, not even a fetish. I mean, America is It's religion. It's it's a civic religion, yes. Right. And who is the most, like, quarterbackly of of these guys? I mean— Dean is probably built like a running back. Yeah. It's Dean and Peter. Um, Peter, Dean and Peter are like the athletes. Yes. Well, I mean, they're all, they all seem like athletes, but like, it's only the quarterback position that really matters. Yeah. And who do we see, who do we, um, who can we imagine being, I mean, Brian is the one who looks most like an NFL quarterback to me, but I also think that, I mean, in the most stereotypical sense, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think that Dean is the most attractive. I think Will is the most attractive of all the men. Um, Will was cute. I thought Anthony was also very handsome and also happens to be a football player. (laughs) Yeah. At Northwestern. Uh, I don't think, I I mean, you know, I like Anthony. I thought Anthony's 
Wait, 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 wait. We have to back up for a second. Okay. <laughs> let's let's think of. I mean, how should we talk about what happened last night? Because I think we should sort of be a little bit strategic. Yeah, let's talk about it. Before we do that, let's just knock out these sponsors and talk about them. First, I want to talk about Hotel Tonight. If you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, I've got good news for you. There's this awesome app called Hotel Tonight that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. It sounds counterintuitive, but unlike flights, hotel rates usually get cheaper at the last minute. And Hotel Tonight helps hotels sell their unsold rooms, allowing them to pass those deals along to you, dear listener. These aren't the last resort places either. They're actually cool, top-rated hotels you'll want to stay in. And with so many awesome partner hotels in a ton of different countries, Hotel Tonight can help you find a great hotel almost anywhere. It's perfect for a spontaneous getaway or finally going on that trip you've been wanting to take for a while. I've used it a couple times in New Orleans. I use it in Las Vegas. I think about using it here in L.A. for a staycation all the time. Just do it, guys, because even though the app's name is Hotel Tonight, you can book up to a week in advance. So, you know, you're probably thinking about your weekend. Why don't you plan a little staycation or just a little road trip? Who knows? All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. So get in on these killer last-minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. I also want to talk about Casper. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foam creates an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. Free shipping returns to the U.S. and Canada. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. I have a Casper, and I slept very well last night. I highly recommend it. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com bachelor and using the offer code bachelor. Again, that's www.casper.com bachelor, offer code bachelor. Come on, do it. Make me look good. Terms and conditions apply. All right. We need, to, we need to actually get into it. Like, the Lee stuff was just so incredibly disturbing. I think maybe worse on mental all than at any other point in the season, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I actually am, like, curious for your take because I'm just sort of like, what do I do with this? As, like a, as, a, as a Bachelor professional, I don't see myself stopping watching the show, and I don't see myself not, like, talking about it. But I, I really... Trying to use a one-hour special hosted by Chris Harrison to kind of, like purify Lee of his sins is wrong and like disturbing. And when I used to watch Teen Mom, which a show I really used to really enjoy, there was always a reunion at the end where Dr. Drew was brought in to like talk to everyone about how they're feeling and like counsel them on their lives. And it used to make me so angry. Just like we are not health prof- mental health professionals, neither is Dr. Drew. He does not know how to like counsel a 17-year-old wait, woman wait, about wait, it. Wait, Dr. Drew's not a doctor? I mean, he's a doctor, but he's not like a psychologist. What is he? Dr. Drew is not a psychologist. He's just like an internist. He's a medical doctor, but he's not like you and I. He is not a mental health professional. And like maybe he has more. He has he's also like a. I guess he was a clinical professor of psychiatry at the Keck School of Medicine. Fine. I'm kind of wrong, but I still don't think he should be giving out like therapy sessions on television. I have a real problem with any doctor who goes on reality TV. Like there's a reason why there's HIPAA laws. Keep it private. people. But Juliet. OK. This your point gets to my fundamental disgust with this entire (laughs) premise, right? Because the thing that was most missing from last night, and I'm going to just, I'm going to back assume that it was missing from every other version of this that's happened in previous seasons. Uh 
Chris Harrison should not be moderating this thing, or he should be moderating it in the way that Ryan Seacrest hosts American Idol. I think that there needs to be a mental health professional on the find the like glitziest, most glamorous one that you can find, um, or get the woman who plays the shrink on on Unreal to come on. I don't know. <laughs> That's obviously contradictory, but but no, I get my what you're point saying. Is just, you you cannot you cannot have something called the hot seat that involves people opening up with each other uh, or opening themselves up to a, to a live audience and their competition. In Lee's case, a group of men deeply skeptical of him. And in many cases, contemptuous of him. You can't ask a person to do that and get satisfying results or at least like convincing results with, Without a mental health professional there, sure. or like a, like a like a journalist, sure. like somebody who's like really good at asking questions. Yeah, like we gotta get Chris Maggie Harrison. Haberman there. She's she's accustomed to crazy people, <laughs> or yeah, crazy well. men, I should say. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, so basically, what happened was, in case anyone didn't watch, they kind of were like addressed how Lee was racist and read some of his offensive tweets. Although, it took a long time to get to racist, by the way. Yeah. It took a detail. It was more about like him like fighting and like being an instigator. And then Kenny like was like uh, addressed it explicitly. And then by the end of the show, Chris Harrison's like, I think we got there with Lee tonight. Did we get there? Did we get there? Like in there being like to a place of like higher understanding and like acceptance of people. And that's just like that. Like you said, to use your premise, like that premise is so absurd and like offensive that. It's like kind of hard to, to like overlook it. I don't know. It's like a, a very very bright light being shown like right in your eyes, and you can't like look away. It was, it was very vexing, and I was just so shocked by it because like it just was not a good handling of the situation at all. It, it I think it was a good idea to like confront his tweets, and I'm glad that they didn't try to. Of like, course, ign- of course, ign- ignore that's it. That's all this. That's all this show had this season, really. Yeah, completely. Was this manufactured dust up between these between Kenny and Lee? Right. But I also think that like that 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 confrontation was a proxy for all the ways in which we are incapable of talking about this stuff in the first place, right? Like the show itself barely knew what to do with Rachel being black, let alone this like this racist this guy that they this guy that they cast on the show who like through some miracle of of good fortune on the show's part was a racist or like so, exhibited racist behavior. It's, so it's I'm funny. You know, that, to that too. That correction is funny because we came up against this a lot when writing about the show on the site and our copy editor was always like, we shouldn't call him a racist. It's more about like exhi- exhibiting racist behavior. And the reason I was kind of like, okay with that edit, not only like for kind of like libel reasons, but it's also just because like, it's very hard to know if he wasn't just like playing a character that or or mm-hmm. amplifying certain tendencies or inclinations based on producers like provoking him because um, that's definitely possible. And so then and then that's like almost like giving and that's an extremely kind and generous reading of what Lee was yeah. doing. But it is possible. But it is like kind of it's interesting, like ultimately it doesn't matter who he is because he'll be like gone and. Uh, you know six months or less no one will know who he is but it is like this season of the the show is bigger than the individual actors so like the fact that they use this season and then the special to um give a stage to racist behavior is just like so so troubling to say the extreme least (laughs) but 
I will say that there were some novel things that happened in this interaction, right? Okay, like what? Um, well, the, I, I've never seen this before where, like, you're watching a show. I mean, I've never seen this outside the context of, like, like a Phil Donahue, um, Maury Povich. Maury, I've never seen, Maury. <laughs> it was really interesting to watch these these black men sort of... I mean, they were. I mean, it wasn't literally a soapbox, but it was from the people who brought you a soapbox. Sure, um, a literal one, sort of stand up and, and castigate Lee, who was seated and below them at some point. I mean, the optics of it. What did? What was? What was Demario's term? Op- ocular facts. Yeah, the ocular, ocular facts. facts. I were, like that. I'm going to use it. <laughs> the ocular. The ocular facts were really something, and. I think that the the thing that appalled me about that entire encounter wasn't so much that Lee couldn't cop to his behavior, although I have to say, the thing that makes me suspicious about the sincerity of the tweets in the first place was that it was almost as though he was paid to do it or something, right? Like, he couldn't throw whoever made him do it under the bus, but he just seemed so unsure about how those tweets got made. This is incredible. This is incredible that you think he was paid for to to tweet those things. That is No. I, that, that's I hilarious. I'm not really I'm speculating, <laughs> but I do think there was something so he wasn't con, it's not that he wasn't contrite, but his contrition it was almost it, it was like transactional. Like, it was transactional. It wasn't it wasn't even well transactional implies that like I got something out of the transaction that benefited or satisfied me. Right. Um, of course, the transaction wasn't between me. It was between Lee and these men. But it was between a particular kind of, of racist attitude um, or a particular kind of, of white person who, at least even momentarily, whether it's at a dinner party or at a bar, traffics in a kind of racism or on, so, on some social media platform. Sure. And then is called on it. And can't, uh, cannot understand why people are upset with his behavior. And the the funny thing about Lee is I, I don't, I don't know if he's smart, mm-hmm. but I also don't know that he's healthy. Like he couldn't, I mean, he was asked repeatedly by numerous men why he did what he did. And he would say things that would, I mean, his language around having tweeted that stuff was really interesting because it was it was like um a dissociation. Yeah, he does seem um, like a, like a, like he has some kind of clinical problem. We we need Doctor Drew to explain it to us. He, <laughs> I, I hate Doctor Drew. Um, he's like one of my most hated people on television. Um, anyway, the least yeah, I mean he was it was sort of like a sociopath, like a pot like saying the words, but there was no like feeling behind it. It was like very vacant. Yeah. I don't even know that he would be a sociopath. I actually, I I thought a lot about, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this, knowing that I was going to come talk to you today. And I, 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 I'm a person who really is interested in understanding racism mm-hmm. and understanding why, why if you have racist views, you feel compelled to air them in, right. in a particular, in a particular way. Right. Like so and many the, people think, and there are so many people think offensive, racist, misogynist things, but they don't say them. So, like, what what is different about the pathology of someone who who feels the need to say them? Right. And 
I think what was interesting to me was the point at which, and I don't remember which guy this was. I think it, it might've been Kenny um, or it might've been Josiah or I think it was either Kenny or Josiah who said at some point, I don't understand given your views and given, I don't understand how the person who could have tweeted what you tweeted about the NAACP basically being the same as the KKK. I don't understand how that person could come on a show whose object of love is a black woman. Right. What did you expect to get out of that experience? It's a great question. He didn't have an answer. No. And it, it, and his lack of an answer wasn't like, I'm, I'm not smart. I can't come up with one. It was, it was as though it was like withholding. It's like there was something for him to say and he didn't say it. Right. Right. I mean, he has an answer. He just didn't say it. Yeah. 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 That's a Um, good point. It's a good point. He didn't seem like um, he was not dumbfounded by the situation. He was not um, nervous. He was actually like, very even keeled, which I think kind of is it is. It... Well, Chris kept trying to say he was shaking in his boots. Yeah, but he wasn't at all. He did seem he seemed shifty in a nervous way, but I feel like a like a con man though, not like someone who. Yes. Who... Yes. Oh, Juliet, that's great. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, That's I mean, so right. Thank you. Um, it was it was weird. I thought also like another really interesting, poignant moment. And this is kind of like not that I expected The Bachelor to be like a, um, a Sunday night special about like what can we learn, but I I thought it was kind of interesting when Kenny was like, I know what racism feels like. I it's insidious. I know what it is. This wasn't that. Yes, I thought uh, that, I wrote that down. I thought that was fascinating. I thought that was really mm-hmm. interesting. That was the that was kind of the most one of the most genuine moments of the season, I thought. And I think it kind of spoke to how personal, how personally he took the whole Lee situation because he wasn't willing to just write it off as kind of like something he's encountered before or um, group it in with a type of behavior that is, that is like rightfully stigmatized in a certain way. He was sort of, it, it was almost like it was more personal than just sort of like abject racism, which I thought was really fascinating. And it almost was like, he didn't want to call it that to let Lee off the hook. He almost didn't want to be like, this guy's a racist, like fuck him. He was more like, he was like, no, this was, this was different. This was more specific. And I just thought that was really fascinating. And like, those are like, I wish we had kind of like gotten more of those moments, obviously. Um, I think, well, for, first of all, I like your interpretation of Kenny's response to, to Lee under those circumstances, because I heard what Kenny said, and I thought, well, I don't know if, does Kenny know about all the other racisms there are? <laughs> and, like, that, that Lee could be, a, could be practicing one that, right. that isn't, like, like hood-oriented, right. um, or, like, N-word-oriented. And that, you know, he could be practicing a more insidious kind of, I mean, I just, I didn't, it was interesting how Kenny's, I, I like your interpretation because it's not generous toward Lee. It's generous toward what I call benefit of the doubtism, right. which is that you, you give all, as a black person, you, you kind of give all white people the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. And nothing that we saw in the context of the television show was ostensibly racist, right? Right. I think the thing that we never talk about with these shows is, like, the repressed homosexuality oh, of some of these contestants. Absolutely. Okay, so actually one of the things they showed at the beginning, we were just talking about this, the kind of, like, previously on Men Tell Alls, I was just thinking how this would never fly now. There was a, a whole... Um, there was a whole like plot line in Caitlyn's season with these two guys who what were like obsessed with each other. That was twenty. Let's see. It was I was 
I was in D.C. when that happened. It was 2015. And it was like this whole thing about how they were like in love with each other and like, oh, my God, what's wrong with them? Like, they're so intense about each other. And then they got into a fight like a like like the way like people who are dating do. And that would that was just two years ago. And it was like it was offensive at the time, but I wasn't like appalled by it. And watching it back, I was just like, seriously, this happened on this show. Like, that's crazy. It's it's not good. I think that, I mean, this is me just like now just losing my mind. Mm -hmm. But I think that, I think that one of the things that was interesting to me about Lee's obsession with, with, he didn't care at all about Rachel. He didn't give, he didn't care at all about her. But there was something about his being around these other men, especially the black men, that seemed to really intrigue him. And it wasn't. It was like, it kind of like titillated him, you know? Yes, yes. And it wasn't, I mean, it could just be like a racist titillation. He could have grown up in, a, in an environment in which, you know, there were racist people around him, uh, racist people in his family or whatever. But I think there was something, as a gay person, I'm very, I'm very sensitive to certain types of what I would say are abnormal male behavior. Other people who exhibited it for me on this show were Iggy. Mm. Um, <laughs> Iggy definitely struck me as like, being something, something that wasn't exclusively heterosexual. Interesting. And even if he doesn't know it, I just think that his relationship to the other men in the house, he also didn't seem to be interested in Rachel. No. Um, it doesn't make him gay, but it also doesn't make him, it also just calls into question, I just think his relationship with the other men was so interesting. That's because, interesting to me. Yeah, I I, can't, I didn't think about it in those terms, but I feel like I know what you're talking about. His focus was so much more on, like, the dynamics in the house, and he used his time with Rachel to talk about the other men versus trying to, like, even pretend to, like, be interested in, like, the romance of the show. Also, I mean, of all the men in the house, he also was the most narcissistic in a way that, like, his vanity... His vanity was just different from everybody else's vanity. And this isn't to say, like, that, you know, this isn't, like, I don't want to be categorical about this. But the combination of behaviors that Iggy exhibited to me just suggested, like, a a lack of, like, a self-obsession, but at the same time, a lack of Mm. self-awareness. He's extremely put together, but also kind of unaware of how his behavior comes off. Um... They were the two people who fascinated me the most psychologically. Um, and I think Eric is also the most psychologically fascinating person on the show. Yeah, Eric is interesting. I love Eric. He seems really, really I sweet. have fallen in love with Eric. Yeah. I've fallen in love with Eric. Um, he seems I, genuine. I'm going to... I feel like if he, when he gets caught, I'm going to cry. That's how weirdly invested I've become in the show. Um, he... He just is like a, he's such a, I thought he was a clown, right? I felt like they cast a bunch of black guys to sort of act the fool. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they did for like the first three or four episodes. They were like most of the black men on the show were, or like at least half of them were kind of playing to a type that made me uncomfortable because I thought they could have found a way around that. Um, but then Eric stuck around and he lasted. And I I just think, I don't know why she kept him. Um, well, but one thing that, I mean, this is really the show, and I'm sure we just didn't learn about any of them, but we don't know any of her interests. Like, the only thing I know she's interested in is basketball, and that's because, like, it, there was, like, three dates that involved basketball. And so, the given, and, like, the whole, the whole thing that she, like, maybe dated Kevin Durant in college, 
So given that, I'm like, yeah, Eric makes sense. We've only been told that she has one interest, and it's basketball. And guess what? He played basketball. So, And as someone who has a a real um, interest in basketball players and, like, other people involved in the basketball industry, I'm like, yeah, okay, I see it. But that's because we literally have only been told that she has one interest. Like, I don't know anything Mm -hmm. else she's interested in. Actually, it's not true. She has church, and she has basketball. Those are the two things they've, like, assigned to her as, like, her things. You know what I mean? Yes, but I think, I mean, one of the interesting things about this experience for me, I don't know about this for you because you've gone through it a number of times, um, but one of the things for me is, like, I find myself, it's interesting how you find yourself disarmed by certain people the longer you're exposed to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, Rachel was like that for me, but I always, I liked her from the beginning. I felt I had a lot of sympathy for her. Um, I felt like she had an impossible job to do. Um, as a performer and as a single woman looking for a man to marry. Um, but, but Eric is the person who just, I mean, I, I see his picture and I'm just like, Oh, Eric. Yeah. He seems like a good guy. I'm like sad. He was on the show. Cause I just don't know. I'm sad he's on the show. Yeah. Cause I just feel like he deserves better. I hope he finds someone. <laughs> he's also, yeah, he's going to get his heart broken for 100%, sure. 100%. For 100%. And, He's a good dude. I wonder if they'd make him the bachelor. I don't I don't know. Like I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, do you even no. want do you want there to be I a black this bachelor? Is over. At this point, I think this is over. But would you want there to be a, a black bachelor given how poor how like they've like probably they, they've like set back the dialogue of of race probably. <laughs> I'm kind of serious I about think that. The, I think the racism of the show is sort of probably going to keep me from watching much more of it. But sure. um because I don't think they, the other thing is like, and this is probably true for all of these guys it, from all the seasons and all these women from all the seasons, the show doesn't care about these people, right? right? They, they chew them up and they spit them out. They don't, they want to, they want to have a hit show that everybody's talking about. So they, I mean, once the show is over, you know, they fall into oblivion. Sure. Um, I think what's interesting is like, it doesn't, this, first of all, like, um, the ratings are not gangbusters for this season. Well, they're always lower than Bachelorette's always lower than The Bachelor. But I just think if you look at shows that have uh, reality shows that have um, mostly black cast, so Real Housewives of Atlanta, which is the most popular Atlanta show. Oh, sorry, most popular Housewives. And you look at all the shows that Mona Scott has done for VH1, The Love and Hip Hops, etc. Those are mm-hmm. wildly popular as well. And those like just also. I think to, I mean, you know, they're not as popular with white audiences as they, as they are with black audiences, but they mm-hmm. are shows that like, I mean, the Mona Scott ones like definitely play into like some, so to use uh, Kenny's word, some insidious stereotypes, but there's also like some genuine people on them and like, they're also fun. And I think the Real House of Al- Housewives of Atlanta has like, has birthed like legitimate celebrities. Like NeNe Leakes might be the most famous person to come out of the Housewives world. And she started there. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. sort of like those shows took more risks and allowed their characters to be who they are instead of sort of like sub, they, just, they took a very broad framework, which is reality television and sort of like looking for a subculture and then exploring that subculture opposed to trying to like foist an exist a 10 year old show that relies extremely heavily to, to begin with on like outdated tropes. And it was just like a real disservice to Rachel and to the dialogue around the show when they could have taken a different tactic, which I, which is which I was thinking about that because like when people like point to the ratings because the Real House of Atlanta is like really popular. I remember when Andy Cohen was on Bill's podcast a couple months ago. Like he was like, don't there was like there's no mistake. The biggest franchise they have is Real House of Atlanta. So like it doesn't have to. It doesn't. It wasn't like an inevitability. Like the season of the, of the Bachelor like wasn't going to go well for ABC. They just went about it all wrong. 
Well, what they did was they dipped their toe in the water, and I'm assuming they got, they're getting, they're scared and won't do it again. Because here's what I think is going to happen. I think she's going to pick, she's going to pick Peter. Mm-hmm. Brian's going to be the next Bachelor mm-hmm. because it'll, it'll get them, it'll, it'll, I mean, I don't know how much um, Channing Dungey is involved in the day-to-day operations of The Bachelor. Because you had the reality guy on your show. Yeah. Um, but I love that guy, I by think, the way. Rob, he's great. Yeah, he seemed, I mean, he seemed great. Yeah, he is. Um, I, 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 but I do wonder, like, I mean, because I think Brian is a perfect Bachelor in that he is, he's, he's a Latino. Mm-hmm who you really have to like, you know, who ba- he's a white Latino basically. Um, and you, who knows they can do anything next season with the women. Right. And they still get to say that they have, they have a man of color on the show. Cause they do. Right. right. <laughs> That's kind of like with, so, with Juan Pablo. He was, he's from Venezuela and he was on the show. Yeah. And he was the bachelor. Right. Yeah. So I do think, I, I don't know. I, I find, I find, I don't know how, why it would be. I don't. How do I put this? How hard would it have been for them to just have like a bunch of black people on The Bachelor? You know. Yeah. And 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 you you just you just cast a black bachelor. Totally. I mean, and and put it on ABC and call it a day. Right. And see what happens. I mean, I think that from an advertising standpoint, and I don't, I don't, I'm sure, I mean, I, I see all kinds of ads wonderful for wonderful companies, Fortune 500 companies on, you know, TV one and BET and broadcast during empire and, and, and love and hip hop. I don't know if you're ABC, what your fear is from an advertising standpoint. I think you probably, if you, if you market the show, right. And you don't just have it be like America's first black bachelorette. You, you actually just double down on having a black woman who look, who's looking not just for love, but a specific kind of love. Um, because a lot of black women are not all black women want to date Adam (laughs) or Brian or, you know, or Peter. I don't. Ooh, no, thanks. Eric's definitely my number one from this season. And it's not Eric. Well, I mean, I didn't get to know Will very well, but he definitely is my, my, my personal favorite of the hands from the, in the handsome department. But I do think that, I don't know. This is, I don't know. This is why I, I write about what, what people at ABC do instead of <laughs> working at ABC. But I, I do think that, that the only way to make this more normal is not to sort of have her choose between two white men and a grudging black contestant. Cause I actually do think that they, as wonderful as Eric is, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm curious about, I'm curious about why they kept Lee around so long. And mm-hmm. I'm curious about how Eric has lasted. Right. And I think of the, of the black men that she had a connection with, Eric is, I mean, Eric is wonderful, period. Like there's no, there's no qualification for how wonderful he is, but in the context of, of where the show has gone, um, I definitely think that, that she she might have wanted to keep... She also didn't have a good reason for cutting Dean. I think they made her cut Dean and keep Eric. Mm. And Eric's going to go first. Yeah, I think he's going to go too. It just seemed like... Also, the fact that he went first on the hometowns means that 
there's one episode left, right? So it's the finale. And we were, I mean, he went first on the overnight date. It's sort of like, that's like so much, that'll be so much in the rear view mirror by the time we get to the finale that it's sort of like if they, if he was more important, he would have been in the, in the final episode more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just as a matter, I mean, of, it's, matter it's, of editing. It's, it's just crazy to think about at the end of the day, what a sort of white controlled television show about love and ultimately in this case about race even though the show is like insisting it's not it just spent two hours of tv on monday dealing almost exclusively with one contestant's racism i know right it's like and 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 i'm sort of like resentful of them like we've just had to spend 45 minutes talking about it i'm just like god i'm mad i'm just like this guy sucks but that's the other thing though right like you cannot have this show could not have happened without them manufacturing some sort of racist tension. Yeah. There had to have been a racist in the house. That's the only way that the, the sort of that the white power structure understands black people, yeah. right? It's here are your options. You're either a slave, a victim of racism, or you're in the drug trade slash criminal justice system. Right. Those are your three options, basically. There's like nothing in between. <laughs> There's there's virtually nothing among those three things, right? Yeah. So I I think that the sh- I don't I would love to have seen this show without Ali, and 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 the way that we think about this stuff, and the ways in which Eric had to be kept around in some way to offset the sort of toxic. I mean, the, first of all, the sort of social incompetence of the show, and then the, the, the toxicity of having had Lee around for as long as they did. Also, as we've discussed, Eric is just wonderful. And, yeah. and I would certainly date Eric, but I don't believe that Rachel wants to. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. She kind of seems I, I over all of it, honestly. She just seems like she's ready to yeah. move on. And I, I would be too. I mean, it seems fairly painful. Can I ask one more question? Oh, yeah, of course. Is Demario oh, Demario God. is the object of all of this Bachelor in Paradise stuff, right? Jesus, I can't believe we forgot to talk about it. I've blocked it out. Um, yes, he is. And I also find it incredibly immoral and completely fraudulent that they spent two hours with that guy on a stage and then teased us about any sort of Bachelor in Paradise preview. And didn't address end. it. I know. I know. That is a cri- that is a crime. We could have do- the alleged perpetrator of of a of a of a sort of national popular culture incident for at least a week and a half, if not longer. So while in your hands, yeah. And then today they released the cast photo from the show. It happened while we were talking uh, from Paradise. And first of all, Iggy's on it, shirtless. So I'll send you the picture. And oh, se- please send me the picture. Yes. And second of all. Um, Demario and Corinne, the two people involved in the incident, are both in the photo as well. So they're just kind of like going back to like business as usual, and like. But just, see, you can't do that. I. You it's bizarre. I agree. It's bizarre. It's really you can't weird. Do it for any number of reasons. Reason number one is like they haven't told us what happened, right? No, they haven't. And so, not knowing what happened, and knowing that this involves a black man and a white woman, right? Um, knowing it involves a black man who has been framed as, and who didn't necessarily help himself in this framing, as, you know, a, a promiscuous guy. Mm-hmm. Um, as like, a, like, also like a mendaciously promiscuous guy. 
I, I just feel like I'm uncomfortable supporting the infrastructure around a show around it around a, a sort of franchise that is going to manipulate my interest in it this way. Right. I know it's really. I just it's find tough. it. I find it profoundly immoral. And if you ever have that guy from ABC come back on, I would love to know what they were thinking. I'll ask him. That's. I. It's a. It's a good point. I mean, we could talk about the whole. Because Demario what do they thing. know about race? Is the other thing too, right? Yeah. I mean, also the um, Demario is just like his his role in this universe is that he like wrongs women now. Like that's like kind of like what what is said about him because he fuck that i don't i don't i don't i'm not comfortable with that like you don't just don't have him on the show it was it's bizarre uh, i mean also like why does he want to be on it like uh, there's another question but that's besides the point i guess um it's we could do so much more into mario maybe you'll come back i don't know i feel like this this isn't a be lingering for a while (laughs) yeah i mean i would love to i mean i don't know that i don't know that i'm gonna i mean should i watch it no i do feel sort of nauseated at the prospect of of having to to go into that world it just i mean i think i'm inclined to like the mario up to a point but yeah I, I also can't because he is he is letting them use him in this way i know he probably thinks there's something to gain from this and i i don't think it's worth it would be my guess but he also is like he's been on tv before he had like a weird interaction with britney spears like 10 years ago i mean mm. you know he's like looking he's looking for the limelight and he gave us the great mm. phrase Ocular facts. <laughs> oh, uh, boy. Wesley Morris, thank you so much as always. You can read Wesley in the New York Times. You can read me on TheRinger.com. You can also hear me on, ba- on uh, Jam Session next Wednesday, and we'll be back next week with Bachelor Party as well for the finale. I am Juliette Littman. This has been The Ringer Podcast Network, and thanks for listening. <laughs>